When you hear about inequality, when you hear about human rights abuses, when there's an absence of liberty and justice, you have to remember that these things are not innate in our animal like condition that we like to call human. Yes, these things, freedom and liberty, do not come free. And they aren't things that can simply be given. They have to be worked for. And the whole reason why we work for these things is so that we don't get the other. What should be more concerning about the government's uh, oppressing people is that it's a sign of a weak government. See, we know this is martial artists. Uh, if you're fighting, you've already lost. Now it's, uh, now it's more a matter of injury mitigation. And so one, you know, peoples rise up on their own. Like, for instance, the Russians, they rose up and uh, resisted their government. They are doing the work. You don't need to step in. You don't need to intervene. Listen, we all want to be treated nicely and fairly. But I'm quite sure we all know someone who is undeserving. But, you know, instead of not being nice to somebody that's not being nice take on the effort of communicating and communicating often again communication is a great way to vet our actions let it not be that we are all too spoiled to communicate that which is right and wrong again we don't need to get too philosophical here you know killing torturing child molestation all that stuff agreed right wrong Right, we can all agree, it's not good to pollute, it's not good to murder, it's not good to rape, right? We can all agree with that, right? However, we are not humans yet, folks. We're all mostly animals, and the animal will take over at any given point. You have to work towards freedom, justice, and liberty. It isn't just given to you. And if you don't work towards it, you will get the other, which is oppression unjust and inhumane treatment from those that have more power and control than you so you know we really do have to try to mute our broken heart liberal leanings when it comes to seeing others suffer other people in your family other people in your community other people in other worlds and ask yourself did this community did this family did this nation do the work because if they didn't do the work you can't really blame the actions of those in power now ideally we'd all rise above not be violent vicious and murderous and you have to remember that people in power are usually just doing the bidding of some other large group of people so it's not like somebody's sitting on a throne and then everybody else is suffering. No. Those that are in power are pandering to the group that put them there. So study and know your history, folks. Also understand biological evolution. And then also try and understand cognitive neuroscience. With these three disciplines under your belt, you should be able to understand and have a clear picture of what's going on.
And just like Richard Feynman, it's, it's not important to know and memorize the names of things. It's more important to know how those things behave. Thanks for listening. Integrity Radio. So the elephant in the room is, of course, the population problem. We have a population problem. Uh, well, hear me out here. Historically speaking, we have dealt with our population problem by way of killing off large groups. And so I, I think that that's probably still the methodology. And so the question becomes, which group do we kill off? So uh, in biblical times, of course, it was the Jews, right? Or shall we say from biblical times up to now, it's been the Jews. And, you know, you got the Native Americans, you have, uh, well, geez, every continent has its genocide. And with the world becoming more global, it's getting a little bit more difficult to, uh, to do that. I mean, I suppose you could kill off all the atheists, but mm, that's not really going to make much of a dent. I mean, you'd an annihilate most of the scientists. So then maybe, I don't know, killing off all the religious? That would make a dent, right? We could even go further and kill off everyone that's into team sports. Or kill all the capitalists. Hmm. All right, well, thanks for sticking with me up till now. Or else we could just use our technology and science to manage our resources more wisely. And of course, making it rule of the world to not allow any one group to hoard. So I'm pretty sure that managing our resources is going to be way more feasible and successful than uh, the old school method of murdering off large swaths of people. I mean, obviously, we have a combination of that going on now. Maybe we're transitioning from one to the other. Hopefully, right? Hopefully, the paradigm is changing. But it has not changed yet. We are still living this barbaric animal uh, reality. And if we're going to make changes, lasting changes, then we have to be very careful and pay close attention to the details of any situation. Try to see the past, present, and future. Try to think past your cognitive biases. Don't allow your personal feelings to dictate the necessary actions that are needed. Remember, the government is us, folks. And if the government isn't us, then we should probably be very busy correcting that situation. In other words, there really shouldn't be anything else on your plate. I'm not saying we all have to uh, quit our jobs and stop paying our mortgages and start uh, a uh, shootout. But what I am saying is to consider things more carefully. And understand that if you don't manage a situation, then bad things are most likely to happen. Oh, let me correct myself here. If you don't manage things properly, <laughs> a lot of so-called innocent women, children, and men will be killed if we do not 
take on the job of managing the situations that we are in. And if the situation is truly untenable, then you leave that situation and create a better one. Life's too short to be in a hole, so break into your funkiest stroll. Now, I'm both the foster son and a protege of the amazing Randy. And, you know, so I pretty much agree with Randy. But there's one thing that I have not agreed with him on, and that is that religion was our first attempts at science. You see, I postulate that science and technology are innate within us. It's what has allowed us to separate us from the other species. I think science and technology is what has allowed an otherwise very frail species to flourish. However, he's much well older than I am, and also I would even say probably, um, I don't know, more learned, shall we say? I mean, Randy is in constant contact with some of the greatest minds in the world. So I disagree, but uh, I haven't really pressed my idea or perspective on this. Well, finally, I have been vindicated. Check this out. Why do people believe in God? New research says we're not born believers after all. Is it intuition that causes people to believe in gods or logic? According to researchers from the universities of Coventry and Oxford, the answer is neither. Previous research has generally held that religious people rely more on gut instinct than factual analysis, and in the event that they do become more analytical, they become less religious. But now new research shows that the biggest factor in determining a person's religiosity isn't intuition, but culture. Your upbringing and social environment are probably what determined your degree of faith, not your gut. People aren't born believers, meaning they aren't religious because of certain characteristics in their personalities. A study detailing the research was published today in the journal Scientific Reports. Religious belief is most likely rooted in culture rather than in some primitive gut intuition, led author Miguel Farias said in a press release. There has been a long debate on this matter, but our studies have challenged the theory that being a religious believer is determined by how much individuals rely on intuitive or analytical thinking. The researchers studied individuals along northern Spain's Camino de Santiago de Compostela, one of the largest, world's largest pilgrimage routes. They asked the pilgrims a variety of questions determined how strongly they believed in their faith and then had them participate in a probability test that determined whether they made decisions based more on intuition or on logic. Contrary to most contemporary research, the team concluded that the pilgrims showed no link between faith and intuition. The same results bore out even when the team increased the test to intuition with math puzzles and used painless electrical currents to stimulate their analytical 
processes. That third method had previously been used to show the areas of the brain that are engaged in atheists when they're confronted with an argument for supernatural faith. The team says that the results indicate that assumptions about religious people being intuitive people are premature. Rather, faith is informed by a nurture-based process, which includes things like your education and the way you were raised. We don't think people are born believers in the same way we inevitably learn a language at an early age. Farias said in the press release, the available sociological and historical data show that what we believe in is mainly based on social and educational factors and not on cognitive styles such as intuitive or analytical thinking. This article was written by Castalia Medrano for Newsweek, written on November 8th, 2017. So did you get that? It's indoctrination. That's it. It ain't natural. It's indoctrination. You know, not just religion either. There are many disgusting behaviors that are really indoctrinated behaviors. So we have to make that distinction, right? Things get complex. That's what humans are, complex organisms. We have to make that distinction. We engage in anti-human behavior uh, due to our animalistic past, but we also engage in anti-human behaviors due to indoctrination and not just religious indoctrination right maybe uh, a good example of this is the Hatfields and the McCoys right they don't even remember what they're fighting about they've just known for generations they've always fought one another it could even very well be that a lot of animalistic behavior is carried over into what we call our human behavior by way of indoctrination. So like I said, it gets complex, but we are complex organisms, are we not? You gotta get in before you get out, right? You have to learn, you have to get into your head and you have to figure stuff out. You have to understand before you can then get out and do something about it. That's what it's gonna be about. World War Three is coming to you live and in color. Well, you spoke several times before about ideological subversion. That is a phrase that uh, I'm afraid some Americans don't fully understand. When uh, the Soviets used the phrase ideological subversion, what do they mean by it? Ideological subversion is, is the process which is legitimate, overt, and open. You, you can see it with your own eyes. All, all you have to do, all American mass media has to do, is to unplug their bananas from their ears open up their eyes and they can see it. There is no mystery. There is nothing to do with espionage. I know that espionage intelligence gathering looks more romantic. It sells more deodorants through the advertising, probably. That's why your Hollywood producers are so crazy about James Bond type uh, of, of thrillers. But in reality, the main emphasis of the KGB is not in the area of intelligence at all. According to my uh, opinion and opinion of many defectors of my caliber, 
Only about 15% of time, money, and manpower is spent on espionage as such. The other 85% is a slow process, which we call either ideological subversion or active measures, активные мероприятия in the language of, of the KGB, or psychological warfare. What it basically means is to change the perception of reality of every American to such an extent that despite of the abundance of information, no one is able to come to sensible conclusions in the interests of defending themselves, their families, their community, and their country. It's a great brainwashing uh, process which goes very slow and it's divided in, in four basic stages. Uh, the first one being demoralization. It takes from 15 to 20 years to demoralize a nation. Why that many years? Because this is the minimum number of years which requires to uh, educate one generation of students in the country of, of, of your enemy, exposed to the ideology of the enemy. In other words, Marxism-Leninism ideology is being pumped into the soft heads of, of, of at least three generations of American students without being challenged or counterbalanced by the basic values of Americanism, American patriotism. The result? The result you can see. Most of the people who graduated in the 60s, dropouts or half-baked intellectuals, are now occupying the positions of power in the government, civil service, business, mass media, educational system. You are stuck with them. You cannot get rid of them. They are contaminated. They are programmed to think and react to certain stimuli in a certain pattern. You cannot change their mind. Even if you, if you expose them to authentic information, even if you prove that white is white and black is, uh, is black, you still cannot change the basic perception and the logic of behavior. In other words, these people, uh, uh, the process of demoralization is complete and irreversible. To get rid society of these people, you, have, you need another 20 or, or, or 15 years to educate a new generation of patriotically minded and, and, and uh, common, common sense people who would be acting in favor and in the interests of, of the uh, of, uh, United States society. And yet these people have been programmed and, as you say, in place and yes. who are favorable to an opening with the Soviet concept. Mm -hmm. These are the very people who would be marked for extermination in this country? Most of them, yes. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, simply because the psychological shock when, when they will see in future what the, what the beautiful society of equality and social justice means in practice, obviously they will revolt. They, 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 will, uh, they, they will be very unhappy, frustrated people. And the Marxist-Leninist regime does not tolerate these people. Uh, they, obviously, they will join the links of dissenters, mm -hmm. dissidents. Yes. Uh, unlike in present United States, there will be no place for dissent in, in future Marxist-Leninist America. Uh, here you can, you can get uh, popular like uh, Daniel Ellsberg and filthy rich like Jane Fonda for being dissident, for criticizing your Pentagon. In future, these people will be simply squashed like cockroaches. Nobody is going to pay them nothing for their beautiful, noble ideas of equality. This they don't understand, and uh, it will be greatest shock for them, of course. The demoralization process in the United States is basically completed already. Uh, for the last 25 years, 
actually it's overfulfilled because uh, demoralization now reaches such areas where previously not even Comrade Andropov and, and all his experts would would even dream of such a tremendous success. Most of it is done by Americans to Americans, thanks to lack of moral standards. As I mentioned before, uh, exposure to true information does not matter anymore. A person who was demoralized is unable to assess true information. The facts tell nothing to him. Uh, even if I shower him with information, with, with authentic proof, with documents, with pictures, even if I take him by force to the Soviet Union and show him concentration camp, he will refuse to believe it until he, he is going to receive a kick in, the, in his fat bottom. When a military boot crashes his then he will understand, but not before that. That's the tragic of the situation of demoralization. So basically America is stuck with, with demoralization and unless, even if, if you start right now, here, this minute, you start educating new generation of Americans, it will still take you 15 to 20 years to turn the tide of, uh, of ideological perception of reality uh, back to normal, n normalcy and, and uh, patriotism. The next stage is destabilization. This time, subverter does not care about your ideas and the patterns of your consumption. Whether you eat junk food and get fat and flabby, it doesn't matter anymore. This time, and it takes only from two to five years to destabilize a nation, uh, it's, what, what matters is essentials. Economy, foreign relations, defense systems. Uh, and you can see it quite clearly that in some areas, uh, in such sensitive areas as, as uh, defense and economy, uh, the uh, influence of Marxist-Leninist ideas in the United States is absolutely fantastic. I, I could never believe it 14 years ago when I landed uh, in this part of the world that the process will go that fast. Uh, the next stage, of course, is crisis. It, it, it may take only up to six weeks to, to bring a country to the verge of crisis. You can see it in, in Central America now. And after crisis, with a violent change of, of power, structure, and economy, you have so-called the period of normalization. It may last indefinitely. Normalization is a cynical expression borrowed from Soviet propaganda. When the Soviet tanks moved into Czechoslovakia in 68, Comrade Brezhnev said, now the situation in brotherly Czechoslovakia is normalized. This is what will happen in the United States if you allow all these schmucks to bring the country to crisis, to promise people all kinds of goodies and the paradise on earth, uh, to, to destabilize your uh, economy, to eliminate the principle of free market competition, and to put a big brother government in Washington, D.C., with the benevolent dictators like Walter Mondale who will promise lots of things, never mind whether the promises are fulfillable or not. He will go to Moscow to kiss the bottoms of, of new generation of Soviet assassins, never mind. He will create false illusions that the uh, situation is under control. Situation is not under control. Situation is disgustingly out of control. Most of the American politicians, media and educational system trains another generation of people who think they are living at a peacetime. False. United States is in the state of war, undeclared total war against the basic principles and the foundations of, of this system. And, and the initiator of this war is not Comrade Andropov, of course.
it's, it's the system, however ridiculous it may sound, the world communist system or the world communist conspiracy. Whether I scare some people or not, I don't give a hoot. Uh, if, if you are not scared by now, nothing can scare you. But you don't have to be paranoid about it. What, what actually happens now, that unlike myself, you have literally several years to live on unless the United States wake up. The, the time bomb is ticking with every second. The disaster is coming closer and closer. Unlike myself, you will have nowhere to defect to unless you want to live in Antarctica with penguins. This is it. This is the last country of freedom and, and possibility. Okay, so what do we do? What is your recommendation to the American people? Well, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the immediate thing that comes to my mind is, of course, there must be a very strong national effort to educate people in, in, in the spirit of real patriotism, number one. Number two, to, to explain them the real danger of socialist, communist, whatever, welfare state, big brother government. If people will fail to grasp the impending danger of that development, nothing ever can help United States. You may kiss goodbye to your freedom, including freedoms to, to homosexuals, to uh, prison inmates. All this freedom will vanish, evaporate in, in five seconds, including your precious lives. Um, the second thing, I, the moment at least part of United States population is convinced that the danger is real. They have to force their government. And I'm not talking about sending letters, signing petitions, and all this beautiful, noble activity. I'm talking about forcing United States government to stop aiding communism. Because there is no other problem more burning and, and urgent than to stop the Soviet military-industrial complex from destroying what is, whatever is left of the free world. And it is very easy to do. No credits. No technology, no money, no political or diplomatic recognition, and of course no such idiocy as grain deals to USSR. The Soviet people, 270 millions of, of Soviets, will be eternally thankful to you if you stop aiding a bunch of murderers who sit now in Kremlin and whom President Reagan respectfully calls government. They do not govern anything, least of all such complexity as the Soviet economy. So basic. Two, two very simple, maybe two simplistic answers or solutions, but never, nevertheless, they are the only solutions. Educate yourself, understand what's going on around you. You are not living at a time of peace. You are in a state of war, and you have precious little time to save yourself. Um, you don't have much time, especially if you are talking about young generation. There's not much time left for convulsions uh, to the beautiful uh, disco music. Very soon it will go, just, just overnight. If we are talking about capitalists or, or, or wealthy businessmen, they, I think they are selling the rope on which they will hang very soon. If they don't stop, if they cannot curb their unsettled desire for profit, and if they keep on trading with the monster of the Soviet communism, they are going to hang very soon. And it, they will pray to be killed, but unfortunately they will be sent to Alaska probably to manage industry of slaves. It's, it's simplistic. I know it sounds unpleasant. I know Americans don't like to listen to things which are unpleasant. 
But I have defected not to tell you the stories about such idiocies as microfilm, James Bond type, espionage. This is garbage. Uh, you don't need any espionage anymore. I have come to talk about survival. It's a question of survival of this system. And you may ask me, what is it in for me? Survival, obviously. Because unlike, I, as I said, I am now in your boat. If, if we sing together, we'll sing beautifully together. There is no other place on this planet to defect to. A smart person knows what they want. A wise person knows what they do not want. So we are now at a point where we don't need politicians, we don't need presidents, we don't need kings, we don't need leaders. And of course this has become problematic because these were the people that stole the power from the people and uh, don't want to relinquish that power now that they are not needed. So they are going to do everything in their power to um, prove to the world that they're important and that without them, the world would just fall apart, which is utter nonsense. So don't take my word for it. Check out what Buckminster Fuller has to say about it. Oh, what, back in the late 70s, early 80s. Having discovered there really is enough to go around, I then find then that politics are really now obsolete. People are so used to the idea, I got to have a leader. Yes. They also had to have a leader when they, we were illiterate. We didn't have words. We yes. didn't have the communication. We didn't have the information. Right. Suddenly, everybody, once there was just the pharaoh was in on the information, then the nobles were, yeah. then the middle class. Yeah. Just in this, this century, yeah. everybody's suddenly in on the information. Everybody's in on the vocabulary. Everybody can mm. communicate. Yeah. So suddenly, it is really going to be everybody mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and and everybody's going to have to know in a hurry mm -hmm. that there really is enough to go around now mm -hmm. if there is enough to go around and you and i know there is mm -hmm. you and i don't need a politician to tell us how to make sense as we sit here he doesn't mm -hmm. have to politicians tell you now it's your turn to speak mm -hmm. you and i cooperate and try to bring out the information in the in a logical way yes and society just does not be that Anyway, we're not mm -hmm. used to that. We're used yeah. to the idea not to around. So we elect you, and you. It's up to you to be mm -hmm. sure that our side comes out on top. Mm -hmm. now, yeah, it, and, and, and and that's where all the flag waving and all mm -hmm. all the the guns and everything are out there. But or, it's just no longer. It's actually no longer so. Now this is what. Mm -hmm. it's okay. Very, mm -hmm. we're up against either a bloody revolution ahead, yes. thinking it has to be you or me with mm -hmm. all the bombing yeah. capability, mm -hmm. two hundred billion a year being spent to get ready for Armageddon by. Mm -hmm the leading nations of the earth. Yeah. I say, we're going to have either a revolution of, of blood where everybody loses them, yeah. or it's going to be a design revolution where we do use the ephemeral we do do more than less, we do get all of humanity successful by 1985. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's a very, it's a very, it's a very touch and go matter. Therefore, mm -hmm. one of the, to me, 
I take very deep sense of responsibility that you and I are invited to be on the air to communicate mm -hmm. a number of people. Yes. That's why I say the most important thing is how to get all of humanity to find out what it is all about in the shortest possible time yes. that man does have the option to make it. He didn't That's know right. it, but now he has. And we're at a very crucial moment. Across these endless skies. 